Our scripture reading for this morning is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. If you're using the, uh, the Bible, the church is on page 1016. So that's Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. The mountain of the Lord. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Again, for you to stand for an opening prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to um, to be able to listen, open our hearts and our mind to your word. Lord, we would like to pray for all the hindrances that we have in our hearts and our mind this morning. Please open and make it to our hearts to see. As for this morning and the beginning of Advent, Lord, we start with the word of hope. We would like to see hope in a different way. as what hope the, the earth or the worldly things give us. Again, we thank you and Lord, for any hindrances, Lord. We ask for your forgiveness and this we pray in Jesus' name. Hope. Uh, this morning in the Sunday school, the adult uh, Sunday school, that word has been drilled in, bombarded, and explained. Hope. What is hope? It was tradition, traditional that the first Sunday, Advent, uh, re- really signifies the candle of hope. When we hope for something, We have confidence that it will happen. Hope is the expectation that our dreams will become a reality. But what is hope and what is not hope? Hope is not, example, I hope that my hockey team wins the playoffs. My son would track down all the time the, you know, the Canadians game, and every morning I get a report. 
that they lost, that they won, they lost, they won. It's an update. So I was happy to hear this morning that they won, because my son is happy to. Or I hope I get a salary raise. You work hard, you know, the whole year round, and you will, you're hoping that your boss will see that hard work and give you a raise. But hope is nothing to do with that. It isn't wishing for the best. It isn't waiting to see what happens and hope that it turns out to be well. Hope is not a feeling or an emotion. If somebody says to you, I hope you have a good day, there is no guarantee that the day will go well. Did you experience that? In the morning you say, have a good day. Have a good day at work, in school. And then your day ends up to be really very worst day. It is not hoping for, for example, a rain because the forecast says, or at least a snow, 60 to 70 percent, so that we hope to have a white Christmas. We don't have that yet. It's already December 3rd. That is not hope. That is wishful thinking. And it is utterly undependable and has no power to bring anything to pass. Human hope pales in comparison to biblical hope, as we shall read. Biblical hope is not a hope so, but it is a no so. Hope is the knowledge of facts. See, this is the definition of hope as we can see. Next slide. Hope. It is a strong and confident expectation. To trust and a confident expectation is the knowledge of facts. And lastly, to have a sure anchor of the soul. To have biblical hope is to have a sure anchor of the soul. This is in Hebrews. Hebrews 6, 9, verses 19 and 20 states, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That is the hope that we're looking for. We had a testimony of two wonderful ladies sharing what their past and what's being hoped to change. But that is an assured hope. It is an assurance of hope. A Christian's definition of hope is far superior to that of the world. Instead of wishing or hoping for something to happen, a believer knows that their hope is solid, concrete evidence, because it is grounded in the Word of God. And we know that God cannot lie. Hebrews 6.18, right? 
A Christian has a hope that is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews 11 verse 1. It is a hope that is like faith. A faith that cannot move by, I have to be careful stating this word, circumstances. Or what the eye see because an unseen God is seen in His faithfulness. I have to be careful with that word circumstances because my daughter was hoping to, for me to say it properly. I got an eye, an earful of um, what do you call it, correction from my daughter. And she's very good at that. I think I, I bled her ears when the last time I said those words many, many times with the wrong way of saying it. But, see, the circumstances that we have, okay, should not be moved. Biblical hope is this. Okay, in Romans 8, 24... 25. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is sin is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? That's in Romans 8.31. If God is on our side, how sure is that hope? Very sure, right? Surely every Christian has gone through or will go through trials in the form of rain, flood, and high winds. A dark night of the soul where deep doubts and fears burst up, but extinguishing those fears is as simple as staying in the Bible faithfully and daily. We had a chance of uh, yesterday. We were invited to a um, some sort of a, uh, a pray over to a, a newly opened restaurant. It's a small place, and they serve uh, Filipino delicacies in, in Victoria. And you could see the excitement of the new owner, their newcomers from the Philippines, and they came. They opened a restaurant. They're taking their chances, but you could see in their eyes of the hope that it will work well. And I had a chance to at least do some devotional, and it was really a privilege, because these are a family, and actually one of them is a member of our church, and, and they are excited about things that's going to happen going forward. The only message I could give them is really to trust God in every decision that they will do. Isaiah, in our passage of today, looks forward to the day of the return of Jesus. It provides us assurance that He, Jesus Christ, will certainly right all wrongs and lead in the same in, in the time we have all hopefully awaited. The time of peace on earth among those whom God favors. I'd like to read a, um, a comment, uh, commentary by, by Barry Webb on Isaiah. 
referencing Isaiah 2, 1-5. Isaiah here foresees the day when one holy mountain will stand supreme, reducing all others to utter insignificance. In this sense, Isaiah's vision is exclusive. It is also inclusive, however, because the envisages all nations and many peoples coming to Zion to share with Israel in the blessings of the Lord's rule. Finally, it is a vision of universal peace described in terms which have reverberated down through the centuries, that is in verse 4. But Isaiah sees that this peace will become a reality only and only when the nations are willing to submit to the word that goes forth from Zion, where the one true God has revealed himself. Peace on any other terms is a a cruel delusion, a truth we need to bear in mind constantly as we seek to be faithful to God's word in our own modern worldly of religion pluralism. I had an opportunity to travel last month to two extremes world, two world of extremes, I should say. The beginning of the month was to travel to India for a week. And you would find people hoping for their God to perform miracles for them. The distance between the worshippers and the true God and the, the God that they have is far. You cannot even go. There's always a priest coming in front of you to ask for the prayer, and then they, he goes inside and do his. Everything is a distance. That's not our God. And then I go to Germany last week, and it, again, it's another extreme. You could see the lights of Christmas lights and beautiful streets and uh, Christmas sail along among, along the street and um, never-ending feeding of themselves, the food, beef. I mean, everything is a luxury. And, um, and, and, and I don't want to, to you know, just not to advise this, but wow. It's the abundance that they have compared to the extreme on one side. In, in Germany, they, they don't even think as to who Christ is. One even said to me, well, the, you know, the Christmas tree is, has been originated in Germany and uh, they were proud about it. And it's nothing to do with Christianity. So it's kind of sad to think they are hoping for something that's not there. And we are totally different. What we believe in is a great hope. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we all know beyond any doubt that the time is coming when there will be lasting peace on earth to which Isaiah testified almost 3,000 years ago that is our blessed hope is this advent. Isaiah begins his testimony of a glorious peaceful future by telling us in verse 2 that all the nations of the world shall stream to the Lord's house. Everybody. 
All the nations of our world belong to our God and King anyways. Right? Right, number six. Presently, many nations are blindly following other gods and or acknowledge no divine authority at all. Those are the extremes. But God in Exodus says, Indeed, the whole earth is mine. Jesus Christ is the only Savior of all the nations, as He asserts in John 14.6. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. It is very clear the whole earth is God's. And Jesus is the only way to peace with God. When He returns, all the nations shall stream to the Lord's house in Jerusalem. The day is coming, as Paul assures us in Philippians 2, 9-11. Therefore, God exalted him in the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. People of all nations will be motivated to surrender to Jesus and follow Him. Isaiah, in verse 3 of our text says, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, that He may teach us His ways, and that we may walk in His path. That day is coming when people around the world will hunger to walk in the paths of Jesus Christ and they will bow before him confessing that what he is lord to the god to the glory of god the father our blessed hope is that Jesus is coming to judge between the nations when he returns, Jesus will bring justice for all wrongs that have ever been committed, even though originally many seemingly went unpunished. Sometimes our testimonies are brought about the pain that we went through in the past. Our life, where is justice, we ask sometimes. Many passages of the scripture affirm this fact. Isaiah 11, 3 and 4 is one of the great messianic promises which presents Jesus as the judge who brings justice to all the earth. He will never judge by appearance, according to the scripture, false evidence or hearsay. He will defend the poor and the exploited. He will rule against the wicked and destroy them with the breath of his mouth. He will be clothed with fairness and truth. When Jesus returns, the poor and exploited will receive justice, for he is the one whose judgment is always fair and true. 
It will be a joyful time when Jesus returns to, the, to judge the world, as the, the psalmist declares in Psalm 96. Let the fields and their crops burst forth with joy. Let the trees of the forest rustle with praise before the Lord, for the Lord is coming. He is the coming judge to the earth for sure. He will judge the world with righteousness and all the nations with his truth. Justice does not always prevail in our courts today, right? The poor, the exploited are often victims of our judicial system. But when Jesus comes, our great hope, he will judge with the righteousness and truth. This is our blessed hope. When Christ returns, justice will prevail throughout the world. When Jesus returns, there will be finally a lasting peace on earth. Man's, in, man's inhumanity to man will finally come to an end. When Jesus judges all the nations, they shall beat their swords into plowshares, at what the scripture says, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn far anymore. The world's armies will exchange instruments of war to instruments of peace, and troops will no longer train to go to war. Even young kids. Isaiah paints the beautiful portrait of peace in chapter 11 by reminding us that under the rule of Jesus, this is how we look like. The wolf will lie down with the lamb, the leopard with, kid, with a kid, the calf with the lion. Imagine that picture. The wild and the tamed will be in one place altogether. I was trying to get a picture of the, the New Jerusalem. I cannot find one that represents what is written. All there is is a golden road and all those, which is also true. But I would like to see the big difference as to what we have right now, presently, and what it's going to be having this description. They will not hurt or destroy on, on, all, on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. All these scriptures picture a world where all the nations will live in peace with each other under the reign of Jesus as our Messiah and King. What we need to know and to understand is that the kingdom of God is realized in two stages. First, and the first coming and the second coming of Christ. First coming. Since Jesus Christ came to sacrifice his life on the cross for our redemption, this very moment... Paul in Philippians 4, chapter 7 says, The peace of God, which what surpasses all understanding, guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Do you agree? That was the first stage. By his death and the resurrection through the Holy Spirit, 
at work in us, Jesus has given us the inner peace that we're longing for. We have been longing for that. We will not be able to depend on others to have that inner peace. Only Christ dying on the cross as a redemption for us. Has given us inner peace, freedom from a troubled and worried heart. The peace he promises in John 14, 27. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Blessed hope. Second stage. When he comes again, Jesus will establish the outward peace everyone has craved throughout history. Peace among all the peoples and nations of the world. That is the peace of which we hope. The day when under his reign, swords will be beaten into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks. There's a big change when Christ comes in to reign. This is our blessed hope to which we look forward not only this Advent, but should be every day. We have absolute assurance He is coming again to establish that peace throughout the world. Therefore, let us wait with great expectation for His coming. May we be ready in that, in an instant, in that instant to meet Him whenever the day may come. I'd like to read a, an illustration of a young kid. Hope as the motivator. An, examin- an examination was being held in, the, in little Emma's class at school. And the question was asked, upon what do hibernating animals subsist during the winter? How do they exist during the winter? How do they survive? And you know, you know, what are the animals that hibernate during winter? Squirrels, maybe? No, not squirrels. I think it's squirrels. No. <laughs> so you don't see them in winter time, right? Suddenly they're gone, and then suddenly spring, summer, they are all out there. So Emma thought for a few minutes and then wrote. All winter long, hibernating animals subsist on the hope of a coming spring. We do the same thing. Some people maybe don't like winter because it's cold, you can't do anything, you cannot get, go out, and we wait so much for spring and summer. That's how they subsist. But for us, Our hope is different. As I mentioned earlier, the definition of hope. I would like to leave you in in conclusion this particular verse. Which, for me, because when I started to become a believer in Christ, Revelation was my eye opener. 
I don't know if you know this verse. And this is the one that keeps me hope with high hopes. Revelation 21, 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is the one I like so much. But every time I read this, I cry. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things have passed away. If you can wait, please do. This is the promise provided for us. This is the hope that we want to see. The new Jerusalem. The new place we're in. There will be no more pain. No more sickness. I'll have maybe a 2020 vision. Um... Maybe I'll be back to my 20-year-old, you know, whatever image I was that before. I forgot now. (laughs) But they say, you know, whatever you look like in heaven or in this particular place, just be thankful that you are in that place. If you're not born again, then you have no such hope. Because those who go down to the pit do not hope for God's faithfulness. Isaiah 38.18 However, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of His mystery in Christ, in you. The hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 Today, believers are waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Titus 2.13 And everyone who does hope, does hopes in, the, in Him purifies Himself as He is pure. 1 John 3.3 3. But for those who reject Christ, there is only a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Hebrews 10.27 Know this. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10.31 For even Christ himself has said, Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. John 3.18 and that is the most hopeless situation to be in. Let us pray. Thank you Lord God for this eye opener. Yes, we We have today, as the 
Advent, the first candle to represent hope. But sometimes, Lord, we misinterpret and or misuse the word hope in terms of commercial things like hoping that there will be a good sale in you know in, on December 26 hoping that we'll have a, a good family reunion which we would like to have there's no question about that but we're looking at a different angle as you are very clear in the scriptures, seek ye first for the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. And this is where we need to put our hope for. Again, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for breaking up our heart and our mind that you are our only hope. But it is a promised solid hope that we can hold on. Again, thank you, Lord. And this we pray in Jesus' name.